Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, review for the midterm exam. I will go through that quiz four with you to make sure that you know how to use those Excel sheets to get those answers within a matter of, oh, probably half a minute for each problem. And then we'll go on to a more general review and I'll finish with questions you have. But as always, we'll have a look at the numbers just to make sure that we're all on the same page with those because that stuff might be on the exam anyway. So as we can see, the market started out in a bearish uh, mood. It's not terribly bearish, but it was bearish through the morning and then it just swung to the bull territory and corrected the morning's anxiety, which was to some extent caused by the concerns about an expanding war in the Middle East, uh, which in and of itself isn't such a big thing to the markets, but if it gets uh, starts to disrupt oil flows, yeah, that is a big thing. And so there was some concern of an expanding uh, war uh, uh, that would go beyond Israel and the Gaza Strip but those were just quickly just vanished. As you can see, just a little afternoon, they just kind of went away. And it was on bullish sentiment overall that the economy is good. There were some rumors at one point of a negotiated ceasefire, but that just never came about. But mostly it was just that they just shaking off the concerns. And so the, uh, the, they have closed now, the markets have closed. And the Dow was up 0.59, the S&P 500 a little more, 0.67. And the NASDAQ didn't really show much excitement at 0.39, which is a little odd that the NASDAQ was up less than the other two, but it happens. Now crude did pull up a little bit in price. It wasn't a major increase. Obviously, a little more concern uh, price going up because of a, some small probability that oil supplies might be disrupted. But it is certainly in that trading band that we had seen uh, established early in the semester, last semester, 82 to 88. It's a little towards the upper end of that band, but it doesn't seem to have any interest in popping up some wild amount because of fears of big disruptions. Now that could change if there are uh, other uh, actors, nation state actors, jump into it, uh, Iran would be a real problem because it has uh, control of a narrow strait that uh, could be used to, uh, could be blockaded with mines as it did before by Iran. They also have the shoreline uh, littered with sunburn and silkworm missiles that could take down some uh, oil tankers. That's not a problem, but it's something that, you know, the price of oil goes up a little bit on small probabilities that things like that could happen 
or that there could be disruptions in the Persian Gulf and all that. Nothing big on that. It's not to worry about right now at all. Gold is certainly had a little bit of a run-up because it's gold and the uh, end of the world folks who buy a lot of buy gold when they think the end of the world is coming they jumped in it wasn't anything major it's nowhere near that resistance at two thousand dollars an ounce so that's uh, that, that's good news they're not excited now the euro and the british pound were uh, showing signs of appreciation and then they lost their will to it and they've recovered back up uh, to where they were to start the day almost so there's nothing there. Now the 10-year bond that's an interesting little picture there because yields are up for the day which means the prices are down. Prices are down because investors are getting out of bonds. Now those yields notice that it started up and then it didn't go anywhere from there it just flattened out so the markets had what they had to say at the very beginning and there wasn't any other news to move them around so that's the end of the story of the bonds getting excited now even at that though that's the yield went up one 1.30 percent uh, one, one point three basis points. That's nothing. That's really minor. Uh, just a little more concern about <coughs> interest rates staying up for a longer period than we would hope for. But in the long run, that's good news because that's going to kill off the expected inflation, which will, in its own time, reduce the risk-free rate. Uh, and then going over here. Um, the uh, Nikkei just never did much of anything all day. It just kind of bobbled around, finished down a little bit, quarter of a percent down. That's nothing. And also the pound just kind of bounced around the same way. There wasn't really anything exciting those uh, those players uh, on the stages in Tokyo and London. Part of it's they're not as they don't have a dog in the uh, as much of a dog in the fight in the Middle East, so they're just not going to be too worried about that causing any kind of turmoil. And there wasn't anything on their local stages that would make them excited one way or the other. So there's that. That's the markets for the day, and obviously, I will probe your ability to look at markets and screens and all that on the exam. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But to start the review, the best thing would be for me to show you the quiz four and make sure you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing because every one of these questions will have a question very similar to it on the, on the midterm. Now when you go into that midterm, you should have those Excel sheets already loaded in, on your computer up and running, not looking around for them or trying to download them from Canvas, which was amazing how many people were trying to download them during that quiz. That's the wrong time to do it. You have them and then you just get these problems done when you see one like this. So, for example, I have the th three that will be the most critical for you to have are the present val and future value. 
That's how you will calculate the annuities. The present value of an annuity and the future value of an, annu of an annuity. And that will also, if you want, you can even calculate the loan question from this sheet. I've got a separate sheet for that right here, but there it is right there. You can calculate, all you have to do is fill in the white cells and uh, leave the yellow cells alone and the peach colored shell cells will give you your answers. And then the last one would be NPV and IRR, net present value and internal rate of return. Again, just put in the numbers and out will come your answers, just like a calculator, except much more sophisticated and not requiring tiny little fingers to tap in on the keys of a calculator. So going ahead and starting this out, whoop, didn't mean to do that. You start a job that pays you a salary of $200 at the end of every week. Right there, it's an, an annuity. It's a, it's a stream of cash flows. So you know it's going to be the present and future value uh, values sheet. Okay, at the end of every week, well that tells you there's a 52 involved. Uh, you plan to keep this job for five years. That means that there's a five for the years. If you discount the cash flows at, of your earnings at 7.75%, there's your discount rate. Rounded to the nearest dollar, the cash flow is worth right now. So you need a number right now, in the present, present value. So off we go to find the present and future value sheet. There it is. So now we're going to go up here and we're going to look at the question again. Start a job that pays you $200 at the end of every week. So that would be payment 200. Go back here. And, uh, well, week, so that would be the periods is 52 weeks a year, it happens. Next you're going to say, okay, I see five years, so that's a five up where the years is. <sighs> and then we look here and it says the present value. See if there's, a, oh, the APR is 7.75%. Didn't mean to do that. 7.75%. So we'll put a 7.75% in here. And then you just hit enter. Did I do that right? Five years. Let me do that again just to make sure I've got everything. Every week, $200. 7.75%. Five years. 52 weeks. At the end of every week. Yeah, there you go. all there is to it. And then your answer is 43083 in the answer block in Canvas. That's all you do. Now, the next one, a company is considering a project. A project would be an NPV and IRR kind of thing. So we have 125, so first we're going to find the NPV and IRR sheet. Okay, so now we just go ahead. The problem said upfront cost of $125,000. So we'll put in negative 125,000, go down, 
Free cash flow is 25, 60, 50, 25, 60, 50. And then this was where it tripped some people up, so I gave you a point of credit for this. But the ending terminal value is 8,000. But there's a salvage value of 3,000. I told you, don't worry about the tax consequences on salvage like they do in the book. Just put in, and you always put in the 3,000 with the 8,000. So that's a total on the last year of 11,000. Whoops, try that again. 11,000. And then our discount rate we would want to use for it uh, what's the discount rate? 6.8%. 6.8. I got to change. I think I, I did upgrade this so that it shows you more than one decimal, more than zero decimal. There you go. And there's your answer. $511 is the NPV. Not only that, the question below it there's the same question, but I'm asking for the internal rate of return. Well, there it is. You got that one too. Yeah. Why do you have two numbers as the answer? You mean the, the this and this? No, 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 on the other page. On the other page? Yeah. Go back to the other page. Yeah. Mean that one? No. Like the, the quiz. Oh, on wait. Why do you have two answers? Two an oh, that's the window. I'll take any answer between those two numbers. Yeah, like I said, if, I mean, if you key in a little stupid mistake, I just have it that way so that you still get it correct. Now, I'd, I'd love it if Canvas could let me, you get even more wrong, but it's still in the right ballpark, you'd still get some credit. I can't quite do that with Canvas, but I can at least give you some a chance. You see they're always like that. I give you a range of answers that are accept, accepted as perfectly right. And that's just because you can key in a little number wrong, which I have a real bad habit of doing. I see what you're asking, yeah. Okay, now, you did that one, that one, okay. Oh, here's one starting today. Whenever you see that, it's the future value of an annuity. Whenever I say starting today, or starting on the first of the year, or something like that, it's going to be a future value. So we go over here to that one payment and future value. So here's future values. So you're just going to go over here and read the question and key in the numbers. $75 every other week. Now that one's going to be $75 every other week. Try that again. 75, okay. I unplugged my keyboard. That's the second time I've done that today. Seriously? Try it again. Seventy-five dollars 
oops, sorry, $75 every other week, that would mean there would be 26. If there's 52 weeks, then there are 26 every other weeks. Find the years. Okay. 4.29%. Uh, so we'll put in that. The Try it again. 4.29%. 4.29%. As you can see, it, gives, it puts in the percent for you. That's the power of Excel once you know how to use it. And you do this for six years. So we're going to do this for six years. Six years. There's your answer. That quickly. $13,333. And again, as you can see, I gave you a range. But that's all there is to these. Now the loan payment, car loan. So that'll be the loan payment. You can also use it, do it here, because you can, I've, I put that one in there, but it's got, I've got my own one just for that. So what do we have here? We have a, you're gonna borrow $195,000. $195,000. And you're going to put that into an account uh, borrow it at 6.79%. Well, there it was. Okay. And this is a 30-year loan. Monthly payments. They'll always be, unless I say it very directly otherwise, monthly payments. 12. And you leave the FE alone. And there's your answer right there. It's that fast. You have these sheets up, you practice those same problems, the quiz problems, just know how to put which sheet is called for in what problem, and you should be able to kill off a good number. Now also, see your effective rate down here? I didn't ask that on the quiz. I will ask it on the exam for a question. See how fast? All you have to do is put in the details of the loan, and your effective rate will spit out at you that fast. So that's another question on the exam. That's about all, yeah. How many Excel problems will be on my It's not Excel problems, it's just math problems you can use Excel for. There are a total of, I think, eight. Six of them are Excel. There's one and I'll, this is just another one of the math problems, where I'll give you the current assets and the current liabilities for two consecutive years, and all you do is tell me the change in net working capital. Current assets minus current liabilities for the two years, and you take the, uh, that'll get you your net working capital for the two years, and then you subtract the current from the last one, and you get your change in net working capital. That one you can do in Excel, or you can do it on a calculator. Oh, and then there's a math problem in the screens where you calculate an annual holding period return to a stock. That's what I've been doing with stocks every day for a few weeks now. Just the projected one-year price divided by the 
current price minus one and then you take that result and times it by a hundred and add the dividend yield. That one I've done over and over again. That's a math problem. You probably don't need to use Excel for that. It's just a calculator. You see I use the calculator. You've seen me use the calculator every time for that one. But those are the problems. If I'm remembering right, that's about the extent of the math problems on the exam. Now I got a little ahead of myself there. Um, let me go through the general questions on the exam. Now bear with me a second, because first thing I'm going to do is get rid of I'm going to bring out the exam. Now, I could put the exam up here on the overhead for you to see. But I don't think I'll do that. I told you about that time. The mute button used to turn, go off after five minutes. So I was just blab blabbering away about a midterm exam, and the exam was up there. God, people were writing fast. Huh? I, I know you won't. <laughs> hey, hey, teacher, you got the exam up there. Okay, now... The outline of the exam. There are the true and false, multiple choice, or multiple guess, if that's what you wish. And some of them, be sure that you notice the ones where more than one, more than one box has to be checked, where it's multiple answers to get full credit on the multiple choice. Now there's also, of course, the numeric questions, the math questions, and there are a couple they're not fill in the blank. I've learned no matter how hard I try, people can type in a word and misspell it ways I can't re I can't predict. So I've got drop down for drop down for the ones that are fill in the blank. So you don't have to type in a word or a term. That saves me having to try to figure out all the different possible ways something could be spelled and get uh, for credit. Okay. Um, oh. There's a matching section uh, on it. Just a word or a sentence, and then you have to find where it matches on the other side. It might be a definition. I might have a something like the resistance oil for le uh, level for oil on the upside is, and there you see an 88 and a match. Okay, it could be a number or a definition, something like that. Now, I don't use distractors. If you, know what a, if you don't know what a distractor is, it would mean that I have, say, five problems, 
but eight possible answers. So three of those would be distractors. I don't do that. It's just uh, the distractors make people want to slash the tires on my car. And, and I just bought a new set of Dunlops in there. I don't want you hurting my good tires. Okay, so it's at five. But be careful if you get one wrong, then you'll probably get two wrong on it. So you want to make sure that you know your answers to those. But that's the matching section. Now, going back through and giving you some details on this, and when I'm finished, I'm going to tell you what I think you should know. And that's just my opinion. But considering I wrote the, quiz, the exam, that's probably a, a reasonable place to start your study. This is your study guide. You write this down, and then you follow this path. I won't get everything, I won't get every last question or detail down, but it will give you the pathway to a really good score. Okay, on this exam, first things first, make sure that you know the difference between accounting and finance in terms of costs, profit, revenue even, for heaven's sake. What constitutes cash flow to us versus what an accountant would say. You need to know that. I probed that on, the, on one of the quizzes. And by the way, those quizzes, I've got the answers for all of them up. You, and those are gold, just pure gold for studying to get, an, to get answers that I would expect you to be able to hit on the midterm. That's why I give them on the quizzes. You might get them wrong there, but it's a lot better if you get it wrong on a cheapo quiz than if you do so on an exam. Okay, next. Make sure you understand liquidity. On several different dimensions, you need to know the correct definition of liquidity. If you go to the internet you'll, and come back with theirs, I've got it right there for you to get the answer wrong. I make, I make a point of that with questions. If you try to run over to the internet and find it during the exam, oh, I've already set you up for the, to get it wrong. Um, same with ChatGPT. If you try to copy and paste a question, one of the numerical questions, chat could give you the right answer, except that I've got a trick in the wording that makes chat give you the wrong answer. God, I love this internet. Uh, well, that's an interesting thing right there. I gotta fix that. Boy, would that confuse the hell out of you. Okay. Um, let's try something else here. Liquidity. You need to know the definition. But you also need to know how liquidity is related to intrinsic value. The liquidity of an asset versus its intrinsic value. Remember the example I gave you with the moose. Also, you need to know the relationship between liquidity of an asset and the expected return you'll get from it. You need to know the relationship between the liquidity of an asset and the expected return that you'll get from it. 
You've got a bunch of money in your pocket. It's right there ready for you to use. What do you expect the return to that money in your pocket? As opposed to a highly illiquid asset, like a house. What would you expect the return to be to that? Higher or lower than the money in your pocket. So in other words, liquidity plays a big role in finance, and I want you to be able to show me that you understand that multidimensionality of the idea of liquidity. Okay. There's a question that was similar to one on an early quiz. First of all, you need to know the difference between a bill, a note, and a bond in terms of duration. Like, a bill is less than a year. Note, two to seven or something like that. And a bond is a very long-term instrument, debt instrument. In the same context, you need to know the, what we call the lender and the borrower. Remember that the borrower is the issuer of the security, of the no, of the promissory instrument. The borrower, otherwise we would call the borrower the writer of it. The borrower is the seller. The borrower is selling a debt instrument and the lender is the buyer of that debt instrument. The lender is the purchaser. The lender is the investor. You go in to get a home loan. You are writing or issuing a loan agreement. The bank is investing in you, buying that agreement for the loan amount you want. So make sure you know that. It's kind of a, a subtle concept in a way, but it helps to clarify how transactions actually work in a technical, legal sense. Make sure you understand what cash flow means, when a, what dividends are about. What is the alternative to a dividend that a corporation? A corporation makes $50 million for its stockholders. Well, what can it do with that? It can do two things. It could issue a dividend or it could plow that money back into the company. If it gives 40% of it as a dividend, it's got 60% to plow back. In that same, it's kind of in that same vein. I've asked this on quizzes. Make sure you pay attention to every question on the quizzes. The, who has the first claim to the cash flows? Is it the stockholders? Is it the stakeholders? Is it, you know, your mom? <laughs> Well, maybe it is. Okay. Uh, and who has the residual claim? Who gets what's left over 
after the prior claims have been settled in their, in their due time. Okay, let me take you somewhere else here. What's the what is the relationship between market price of a stock and its intrinsic value? Are they the same thing or not? Now, some questions could be kind of probing just sort of a, a catch-all. Make sure you know those distinctions between two different, uh, a market with two different possibilities. Like for example, spot versus forward. When are, when are you paying spot? When are you paying forward? Like for example, you go to a gas station it says three twenty three thirty seven a gallon. Well, that's a spot price. You pay it now. On the other hand, um, I decide that you, sir, I'm going to buy a cat from you for ten dollars in six months. That ten dollars is a forward price. Doesn't matter what cats are worth in six months. I have locked in on a forward for ten dollars. Okay, so make sure you know the difference between what constitutes a spot and what constitutes a forward on something. Other ones like um, capital versus money. Capital is long-term funds, money is short-term. Other ones, what else was, well, bond, uh, bill, uh, note bond. Other ones, secondary versus the primary market. Now, that was kind of one that I fussed about. And back to debt instruments. What is a bond that has no collateral backing it called? That would be a debenture, of course, but there's also what is the name of that debt instrument that large credit-worthy corporations use to borrow money for 30 days? Do you remember what that's called? I have to look that one up. No, don't send me an email. What's the what's the answer to that one? <laughs> It's what I was talking about, like Microsoft needs $50 million for 30 days. It issues a type of paper that is due in 30 days. And the buyers of that paper, they're the lenders. They want to lend money very short term just to make a little scratch because they don't have anything better to do with the money for 30 days. No. I gave you the second of the two words. I told you it's paper. Is it just commercial paper? Huh? Is it just commercial paper? Yeah. Yes. What? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's commercial. 
Okay, now I did a round with the structure of an interest rate. Make sure you know what is in the risk-free rate as opposed to what's in the risk premium. Now, in that risk premium, you will find the why interest rates on different things are different. The default premium, the maturity premium, the liquidity premium. So, for example, a 30-year treasury would have virtually no default premium, no liquidity premium, but it would have a big maturity premium. And then, on the same, in the same uh, genre, well, a home loan. It would have some default premium. If it's a long-term loan, it'd have a big maturity premium, but it would have no liquidity premium because those loans are bought by the secondary mortgage market by the bucket full every day. No liquidity premium. So just make sure you can think your way through, okay, here's a debt instrument. What kinds of risks would be in this? If it's treasury stuff, no risk, no default premium. But if it's long-term treasuries, it'd have a maturity premium, but it wouldn't have any liquidity premium because those things can sell like, literally like uh, paper money. Um, Oh yeah. Now I was going to have you go to the SEC and download financials and give me some information from financials. That would just take too long and I always worry about Wi-Fi failing uh, or not being very fast. So what I did was I just said, okay, where, which one of these documents would you find this in? And so you would have to look at the different K's and Q's and other things, think, okay, which one do I see that in, uh, in that list? It would be that one. Okay. Oh, mother's work is never done here. Oh, on ratios. I don't have you calculate any ratios, but you should know what ratios mean and what the boundaries are on a ratio. What ratio could never be more greater than one? What ratio would freak you out if you saw it less than one? What ratio, uh, okay, like you got a burn ratio and a, an acid test. Which one would be bigger? Those kinds of questions. So that's why you need to have that formula sheet and also be able to think quickly. Okay, numerator, denominator, and all that kind of stuff to see which uh, to see how they behave numerically, especially in relation to each other. Now, again, I copy and paste questions right from the quizzes onto the exam. In some, I change the numbers, obviously. In others, I might change the order of the answers or 
the wording of answers a little bit, but they there are a decent number of those right, just like that on the quit on the midterm. So that's another reason why you need to go through and memorize those uh, answers and why the answers are what they are as one of your priorities in studying for this. So consider those quizzes a part of your study guide. Hmm. Here's something that is important. Make sure you know what happens to cash flow when different current assets or current liabilities change. So for example, what happens to cash flow if accounts receivable go up? Well, that hurts free cash flow. Remember that diagram with the arrows up and down that I drew on the board? Or, well, okay, what happens if your accounts payable go up? Well, that means that you're not using money you said you used, so that frees up cash. That makes increases your free cash flow. Just think your way logically through what is being what's happening to cash flow as current assets or current liabilities change. Know what changing the discount rate does to a present value or what a or what it does to a future value. You could even do a quick little dirty problem. Well, if I take $500 and I increase the discount rate, what happens to the present value? What happens to the future value? If you have to. Hmm. Um, just a quick, uh, kind of a dirty question about what's a stock exchange versus what versus what's an index. I'll give might give you some and say which one of these is an exchange or which one of them is an index. You know, S and P five hundred, New York Stock Exchange, Nasdaq, Russell two thousand be able to tell the distinguish between an actual exchange and just an index on an exchange. I mean some of these I've gone through every day what's the relationship between price and yield of a bond. I mean that should be old news to you. Now I will give a screenshot. Now I, I will do it as of something after the market closes tomorrow night, so it's fresh data. And I'll ask you things like, okay, you buy a round lot of the stock. How much would you pay? Now remember that a round lot is 100 shares. Okay, you buy a round lot of the stock. How much would you pay? You sell a round lot of the stock. How much would you get? You said round lock. 
round lot, like an odd lot, or a lot of questions. Um, You tell me the risk of the security, and it's from a screenshot. And also tell me what you see from the PE ratio. Now I'll make it one that is really clear. You know, if you got a PE ratio of twenty nine, that that would be well, it's kind of undervalued, but not really. It'll be one where it will be pretty clear to you if it's undervalued, overvalued, or correctly valued. So don't sweat that. And obviously, I'll have you do the uh, annual holding period return, the projected one year divided by the current, minus one, and then times that result by 100 and add the dividend yield. I've been doing that on the board every day. And so a couple of examples every day. So that should not be difficult for you to do. It's just a quick calculator kind of thing. (sighs) I think that's my end of it. Now it's your turn to ask me questions about what's going to be on the exam. Yeah. It's approximately, counting the parts of questions, about 50. You got 75 minutes to do it. But, you know, that is like the matching. That's one question, but it's got multiple parts. So, it's, so it might not, well, there's only 45 questions here. Well, that's because some of the matching counts five more, some along that line. What else do you have? Now, yeah. What's that call when you take the, the one year estimation divided by the, the current price? That? You're finding the one year holding period return or the total holding period return. Yeah, you had a question? Again, you have a four by six note card, front and back. You will also have your formula sheet that you can print out and bring along with you. That's a financial analysis formulas in your files in Canvas. You also, of course, have your Excel templates to pull up. And again, I can't say uh, encourage you enough. Have those up and running on your computer when you st- before you start the exam trying to dig them up and download them or find them in your explorer, your files, it's not going to be good for you. Just have them ready for the exam. And that way you've got it done. And then you just, by the time you get to the exam, doing your studying, you should know which ones are which. Yeah? What's usually the average on this The average runs between 78 and 80%. Historically, it has. Now, I should stipulate that this is the first one that's full Excel. In the past, Excel was not allowed to be used. So I think that should bring it, be a positive for it. I hope. 
but if if you're not comfortable with Excel, it, then these these questions are designed to be answered in Excel quickly. Go ahead. Me? Yeah. Will we um, be able to see our score once we submit? You'll see your score right away. The answers I have a couple of excused absences, so those won't come up for a couple of days. But uh, you'll see. It's I, I'm a firm believer in instant feedback. And all of your questions, all of your quizzes should have your answers up now, already. And quiz four, you should have seen a curve on that one for some questions, like that one where if you forgot the salvage value and things like that, I did a curve on it. So you should see a curve on quiz four. Well, yeah. Uh, will this, uh, will this uh, curve or no? Nah, usually I don't. I mean, unless there's something that everyone bombs, what I do is I go back through a test, and if I have more than 33% of, of the students get a question wrong, then I give back the points for that one. But that's not, shouldn't happen here. We'll see. Other questions? Eat your Wheaties and stay off the weed and study hard for the exam. That's all I have for you today. I thank you.